Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. How well do you handle suffering and difficulty in your life? Do you look to learn from it and see what the Lord has for you in it? Are you able to walk in love and forgiveness toward people who cause it? Let's open to Genesis 37 and see what the Lord has for us as we continue to study the incredible life of Joseph. Well, good morning, and uh, welcome to another teaching. This will be the second teaching on Joseph. I have no idea how many teachings we'll have on Joseph. I appreciate that, Stephanie. We did the first one last week, and uh, it's Friday morning here in Texas. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we do invite you into our time today. We just pray your blessing and your favor and your mercy and your goodness on us one and all. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us today and open the Word of God to our hearts and minds. Lord Jesus, we love you, we bless you, and we thank you. We commit this time into your hands with thanksgiving and praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So we're going to pick up in verse 12. And uh, man, I'd like to get through the rest of the chapter. Um, when this whole thing with Joseph came about, when I was talking to Stephanie, as I said in the last last podcast. I didn't know how long, um, I thought it would just go for one teaching, but you know, Joseph is a, just a massive amount of material. It goes from Genesis 37 all the way to chapter 50, where the next chapter 38 has a break and talks about Judah. And that's a wonderful chapter. They're all great, I guess. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So I don't know how far we'll get today. Hopefully we'll get, uh, through at least the beginning of uh, verse 25 if not through the rest of the chapter, and then just hopefully be led by the Lord from there. I've had different people give different opinions. To try to cover Joseph well, I mean, it could take 50 teachings, and uh, I don't know, but we're just going to take the word of God as it comes and, uh, and go from there. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 12. Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I am going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. Verse 14. So he said to him, Go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks, and bring word back to me. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the fields and asked him, What are you looking for? He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? They have moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, Let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into this cistern here in the desert, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the richly ornamented robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. 
So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites, who took him to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the cistern and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. He went back to his brothers and said, The boy isn't there. Where can I turn now? Then they got Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat, and dipped the robe in the blood. They took the ornamented robe back to their father and said, We found this. Examine it to see whether it is your son's robe. He recognized it and said, It is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, in mourning will I go down to the grave to my son. So his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. All right, so we're going to go back to verse 12. And like I said, um, I mean, it'd be great if we could get through the rest of this chapter. Um, I hope to get through at least the first part of 25. Verse 12. Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I am going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. As we always talk about, the first question we always want to ask ourselves is, why is this in the Bible? Why did the Holy Spirit choose to include this part of the story in the Bible? And Romans 15.4 says that everything that was written in the past was written to teach us or to instruct us. It's not just here so we can read it and read a, an interesting story and then walk away with, with really nothing. What is here to teach us or instruct us? In uh, 1 Corinthians 10, verses 6 and 11, say that these things are written down as examples to us. So we want to look at this and say, what is the example to us here? Because uh, Hebrews 13, 8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Romans 2, 11 says that God does not show favoritism. So when we see how the Lord moves here, we can see principles in here that relate to our lives. And so... When we look at verses 12 and 13 here, there's something that immediately pops off the page in that it's Joseph's father that actually sends him to this incredible difficulty. He's put in this position by his own father. Verse 13, Jacob says, come, I am going to send you to them, to his brothers. And like a good son, Joseph is obedient to his father. Very well, he replied. Joseph is going to be sold into slavery. Initially, they wanted to kill him, and we're going to get into that, the darkness of their hearts. Uh, but ultimately, they sell him into slavery. They take 20 shekels of silver for their own brother, and Joseph is going to be in slavery or in prison for the next 13 years of his life. Remember, he's only 17 now. So from 17 to 30, he's going to be in slavery or in prison. And he is put in this position by his father, who, as we saw in the first 11 verses, loved him more than any of his brothers. The reason that's important is sometimes our Heavenly Father will put us in situations that will cause us difficulty or frustration or sometimes uh, even sickness. Now, I'm not saying that, that, that God's, God causes sickness, but certainly he allows his people to be sick, right? We see Christians all over the world that are sick and in difficulty, but, but sometimes... I mean, we can be out doing the very work of Christ. We can be walking with Jesus in a meaningful way. Our devotional life can be, can be going very well, and we can have some of the, the, the greatest difficulties of our lives. You remember the apostles in the book of Acts, it says they, they celebrated because they were found worthy of suffering for the name of Christ. Um, sometimes our Heavenly Father 
will put us in a path of difficulty. Now, it's going to say this plainly. In the later chapters, Joseph's going to explain to his brothers that, that it was God who put him in this position. So, I don't know why my father does this or our heavenly father does this. Uh, I confess that, that I don't like it. I really don't. But it is our job, as Jesus taught us to pray, that his kingdom would come in our lives and his will would be done. You remember when Jesus was, uh, was in, in the Garden of Gethsemane and uh, he actually tells our heavenly father to take this cup from him. Jesus does not want to go through with dying on the cross and becoming sin and dying for the sin of the world. Jesus does not want to be separated from the intimacy he has with the Father and the oneness that he has had with the Father and the Holy Spirit for all eternity. He doesn't want to go through with it. And he knows God can do anything. He knows his heavenly Father can do anything. He says, all things are possible for you. Um, you can do this redemption thing a, a million different ways. But then he ultimately says, not my will, but your will be done, he says to the heavenly father. And isn't that the nature of sacrifice, right? Jesus was a sacrifice on the cross for our sins. The very nature of sacrifice is when you, you go through with something or you do something that you otherwise would not want to do. You know, the cross is not the cross without that scene. Jesus does not want to go through with it, yet he says, Father, not my will, but yours be done. And obviously, that's the ultimate example for us. There may be many things in this life we don't want to go through. There may be many difficulties. None of them will be like the cross of Christ. But it does need to be our heart to say, Father, not my will, but yours be done. And Father, I just confess, I want to confess right now that as far as I can tell, that's not my heart. Father, I don't have a heart that says, not my will, but yours be done. The truth is, Father, I, I have a heart that says, I want my will, not yours. And that's more the reality of my life most of the time, it seems to me. And I ask you to forgive me, Father. I ask you to help us to be a church that somehow can just begin the process of emulating Jesus and saying, Father, not my will, but yours be done in every aspect of our lives, spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, or relationally. Right, Melanie? Father, not my will, but yours be done. Father, I don't, you know... I guess I like that just fine, except when it comes to suffering or difficulty or anything hard, because then, then I want my will to be done. And frankly, Father, my will and suffering is just that it end. I don't want to learn nothing. And, and Lord, I'm sorry that I'm like that. But when it comes to difficulty and suffering and anything that's unpleasant, frankly, I, I, just, I just want it to stop. And uh, Lord, I know that many of us are like that, if not most of us. Heck, if not all of us. So Lord, um, just reveal to us and help us and begin to show us how we can begin to grow and mature and be like Jesus in this aspect, Lord. We remember when Jesus again taught us to pray in Matthew 6, 9 to 13, the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father, some denominations call it. And in there, we're supposed to pray, um, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, which is to say, Father, we want your will done in our lives because oftentimes our will does not align with yours. And so again, sometimes our heavenly father will put us in a path of difficulty, but he has a reason for it. Out of this story of Joseph, we're going to get the incredible scripture in Romans 8, 28. Um, for God works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And as Christians in Christ, we are called according to his purpose. And we do want to work on loving him more and more and more. Because the more we love him, the more devoted we are to him, the more we walk with him, um, the more he will work things for good in our lives. 
And again, we get that here from, from the life of Joseph, as it's going to say several times in the next 13 chapters, culminating in verse 50. He tells his brothers that what you intended for evil, God intended for good. And that he's going to put Joseph through this difficulty of slavery and imprisonment. And then Joseph's going to come out the other side of it and, and, and save the world from starvation. So we want to be like Joseph here and say to our Heavenly Father, very well. When our Heavenly Father says, as Jacob says to Joseph, I'm going to send you to your brothers, very well, he replied. And Lord, help that be the call of our heart, that whatever you call us to do, Father, help us to have this attitude that says very well. Verse 14, so he said to him, go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks and bring word back to me. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. There's another principle here now that, uh, you know, as I was studying this and meditating on this. Why does Jacob unwittingly send Joseph to his other sons when it just said in the previous verses, you remember in verses 1 to 11, it says three times that his brothers hated him. It actually says they hated him, then they hated him all the more, then they hated him all the more. That's just a lot of hate. Uh, apparently, Jacob had no discernment of this. Obviously, we see that he just wants to die at the end of this chapter, as we read, when his other sons make up this lie and deceive their father and kill this goat and dip his, Joseph's ornamented robe in the blood and show it to him and make up this giant lie. But how is it that he missed this? How is it that he couldn't tell that, that you know, these 11 sons of mine are not going to serve Joseph well? And I think that, um, that this is a problem with humanity, but I, I really believe we have a material problem in the church or as parents where we really don't have eyes to see oftentimes the, the bad character of our children. Um, sometimes, I mean, our kids are angels. The neighbor's kid, I mean, he's a terrible person, but our kids are angels. I mean, they can't do anything wrong. They're perfect. And although we wouldn't say this, we, we often live our lives as if, you know, our children are so much better than everyone else's children, or they have better character than other children. And certainly many of us have... Uh, you know, have either acted this way or, um, or seen other people really speak about their children as if they're, you know, as if they walk into holiness, you know, the apostle John, when there's all evidence to the contrary, right? And, and that can be a tremendous disservice because Jacob does not see the true character of his other sons and how bad, how bitter, how angry, how warped they are. And, and he exacerbated it by clearly loving Joseph more than them, as it said in the previous 11 verses, right? It says that Jacob loved Joseph more than any of the other sons. And he didn't even hide it. He makes him this incredibly richly ornamented robe that we've all heard about. But we want to, we want to see our loved ones in the same light as we see anyone else, right? You know, our children, however old they are, we, you know, we want to see the good they do, but we also want to recognize the areas that are out of place. And we want to do our best not to show favoritism. We want to, you know, we want to call the truth the truth, certainly beginning in our own lives and then with our children, our families, and everyone else. But for many, 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 many parents, this is very hard to do. As I said, they can almost see no wrong in their children. And we can see here that this can, this can lead to a tremendous disservice. If Jacob had seen the true character of his sons, he would never have sent Joseph into this, this lion's den of these ten sons. But he didn't have eyes to see it. Now, I'll say this, um... You know, I have two beautiful daughters, Kristen and Lauren. 
And I will say that uh, their mother and I have have always been given a grace to uh, to be able to see the areas of their lives that are that are out of place. We've been blessed that uh, you know, for the most part, we have been able to uh, to look at our children and see the good things that they've done, and uh, and also been able to see the areas that are out of place. And uh, and thank you, Lord. Now, our children would say that sometimes we see their their poor qualities too much, and uh, maybe that's true. That's true, girls. Please forgive me. I'm sure I'm the problem. Their mother has never made a mistake. Thank you, Lord. All right. So, Father, we do ask you to help us to uh, to have eyes that see and ears that hear first beginning in our own lives and then with our children and then with our families, just the truth, Father. Um, help us not to see our children a better light or a worse light than reality of what it is. Father, at whatever age they are, whether they're uh, you know three years old, four years old, or 40 years old, um, help us to just see the truth and speak the truth in love. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 15, when Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the fields and asked him, what are you looking for? He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? They have moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. A man found him wandering around in the fields. Man, don't we... Don't we have these seasons in our lives where it just feels like we're wandering around in the fields? You know, he's, he's looking for his brothers. He's on an assignment from his father. <laughs> and it's not going to go well when he gets there. But before he gets there, you know, he's just wandering around in the fields, not knowing, you know, which way to go. And, uh, you know, there may be some listening here who are, who are in a season of wandering around in the fields, these five words. And, uh, you know, in these seasons of, uh, of confusion are not fun in our lives. So if you're in a season today of wandering around in the fields, you know, we don't, we don't know what the Heavenly Father has for us. I mean, Father, it's my heart that all of us, if we're wandering around in the fields today, um, when we come out of wandering, it would be great if we could come into like this incredible season of blessing and favor and joy and excitement and happiness. But that's not what's going to happen here. Joseph's going to go from wandering in the fields uh, to a much more difficult situation. And Father, as I've already said, that's, that's just not something that I enjoy. And I ask you to forgive me. So Joseph went after his brothers, verse 17, and found them near Dothan. Verse 18, but they saw him in the distance, and before they reached them, they plotted to kill him. They plotted to kill him. I didn't realize this. I don't know if it was yesterday when I was studying or a time before, but you know, when we look at these stories and, uh, again, we want to see what the example is for us here. I, I, I hadn't thought about the fact that, is there an example for us in these 10 brothers? They plotted to kill him. Are there areas of our hearts that are so bitter, so jealous, so angry, so envious that we literally cannot stand people? We cannot bear them. We detest them. If you have that in your heart today for anyone, you and I just need to repent today. Because it's not the will of God. Jesus said, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. And then, You'll be like your father from heaven. It almost sounds like an impossible platitude. Lord, you want me to bless those who curse me. Okay, that seems odd. 
Father, we just ask you to help us and show us the areas of our heart where we may be like these 10 men, Lord, where we are jealous and envious and bitter, perhaps of ways we haven't been loved, perhaps of the fact that we haven't been given things that others have been given, whether it be in the way of money or, or notoriety or love, Lord, as we said. Father, we ask you to forgive us and to help us to truly repent, Father, where we have these characteristics that these ten men have. Help us, Lord Jesus. Help us, Holy Spirit. But they saw him in the distance. Can you tell me why they saw him in the distance? Well, <clears throat> it's going to say that they stripped him in verse 23 of that richly ornamented robe. They saw him in the distance because, again, I mean, he's wearing that robe that his father gave him. And that robe was just this incredible reminder to them of how much more he was loved by Jacob and how much less they were loved by Jacob. I guess what I'm saying here is Joseph doesn't help his cause. You think he'd have left the robe at home. I'll say again that in the, uh, in the early years of my Christianity, and I, don't, I, mean, I say early years, it could have lasted the first 15, 16 years. Heck, I may still do it today. But, you know, if, if we have a habit of just pridefully, you know, just showing off our richly ornamented robe, look at who I am, look at what I can do, look at my robe, y'all. Y'all don't have this. Let's just repent of that. I mean, they see him in the distance. They see the robe in the distance and it just, they're maddened by it. Now, this is no justification for what they've done. When people act in a way that's prideful to us and hurtful to us, we need to love them. We need to forgive them. His brothers should have forgiven Joseph. You know, they should have loved him in spite of the fact that, you know, he was their father's favorite. Now, the good news is that our Heavenly Father doesn't have any favorites. Romans 2.11 says that God does not show favoritism. So he loves you as much as he loves anyone else. Let me say this again. Your Heavenly Father, if you're listening to this today, and you're in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Your heavenly father loves you as much as anyone else. Or to say it in another way, there is no one in the world that your heavenly father loves more than he loves you. And let that get deep down into your spirit and soul. There is no one in the world that your heavenly father loves more than he loves you. And that needs to be our identity. And that is our identity. That's what the Bible teaches. When you come to Jesus Christ, you become his child. You're his son. You're his daughter. Now, I'll say that if you're not sure that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, just stop everything you're doing and ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. The Bible says that Jesus went to the cross and gave his life in your place and on your behalf for the forgiveness of your sin. So if you have not received Jesus as your Savior, call on him right now. Call on him. Romans 10, 13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So if you're not sure that you know Jesus as your Savior, stop right now and pray, Lord Jesus, I confess I am a sinful person. And I believe that you lived a perfect life for me and died a perfect death for me. And I believe that you are alive and risen. And I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart to be the Lord of my life, to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Jesus, I place all my faith and trust and confidence in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. If you're not certain that you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, stop this podcast and pray that prayer slowly 
and sincerely. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And God will become your father. And at that time, there will be no one in the history of the world that he loves more than you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So we've talked about if we have characteristics of these brothers, hate. There's nothing worse than hate. The Bible says God is love. So if you have areas of hate in your life, it's not like we can just turn it off, but we just want to ask Jesus to help us. You want to ask Jesus to help you. If you can think of any person in this world that you hate, you just want to ask Jesus to forgive you and to help you to forgive them. It says they hated him so much they plotted to kill him. Verse 19. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. What we see here is what can truly come. That if hate has overtaken us, it can lead us to act in ways that are utterly sinful and despicable. They, the hate has so overtaken them that they want to kill him and then make up a lie that says a ferocious animal devoured them. And then we'll see what comes of his dreams. They hate him not only because of their father's love, but because, because of these incredible dreams that he's had that he's going to be their ruler. And, and we'll say again, Joseph didn't, didn't do himself, didn't help himself by bragging about those dreams. There's just so much in here for us to learn. You know, remember we said these things are in here as examples to us, to instruct us. Um, I feel like I got to have a whole do-over in my life. When we have dreams from, from God, yes. You know, uh, if you have brothers and sisters in Christ and you want to share them, but if they're dreams that you're going to be blessed more than everybody else, maybe I'm just saying you want to keep them to yourself. I'm just saying. Verse 21, when Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into this cistern here in the desert, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. Reuben is the oldest of the brothers, the firstborn. And although he too was among those who hated Joseph and despised him, he doesn't want to kill him. He doesn't want to take his life. You know what? Let's, let's just throw him in the cistern. Now, obviously, that is still awful. It's going to say that Joseph wailed and cried for mercy while he was in that cistern. And they didn't do anything except sell him into slavery. It's going to tell us that in, you know, the later chapters. There's a principle in here that, uh, that really is overwhelming. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father is the last part of verse 22. Now, again, as I just said, Reuben doesn't like him. He despises him. And so much, he says, let's not kill him, but let's just throw him in here and let him die. But we won't shed his blood. We want to look at our hearts today and see if we have this principle in us that lives in Reuben. And what I mean by this is that Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. So he only wants to throw him into the cistern for a little while. He's pretending to his brothers that he'll let him stay there and die. We want to have this heart of Reuben. And what I mean by this is that are there people in your life that just, just get on your nerves so bad? Many of the people listen to this. It could be me. <laughs> but 
even though you can't stand them, even though you have aspects of jealousy, even though they've acted towards you in ways that just get on your nerves, even though that they seem like they get everything. And you remember Joseph just shows off his coat undiscerningly to all his brothers. Do you have people that you just, uh, that you struggle with, but do you have this heart in you to rescue them and take them back to the father? The principle here is overwhelming. Reuben said this to rescue him from them. When we have people in our lives that, that we just don't like, that rub us the wrong way, our heart should be to rescue them from their sin, to pray for them, that they would be rescued from their sin and that they'd be returned to our Heavenly Father. Is there anything greater you can do to find somebody that you just can't stand, but to do all that you can, and that may just be prayer, to do all that you can to genuinely rescue them and to see that they come back to the Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ our Lord. Father, I... Uh, I ask you to help us one and all to begin to grow, to have this heart in us that it's said that Reuben had. Those people in our lives, Lord, that uh, we're not fond of or we don't like or if we just have true envy and jealousy and bitterness or unforgiveness or whatever it is, Lord, help us to have a heart for them that they truly be rescued and be taken back to God our Father through salvation in Jesus Christ our Lord. Help us, Father, to increasingly have this heart in us that we see here in Reuben for those people that are uh, that we just don't enjoy, those people that bring us down, those people that irritate us or frustrate us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Verse 23, So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the richly ornamented robe he was wearing. And they took him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, verse 25, and I just want to stop there for a second. Their heart, I just, again, I think this is in here to show us that our hearts can become so dark they throw Joseph into the cistern. They're going to plan on leaving them there to die, except for Reuben. And they're so callous, so bitter. They do this horrific thing. Verse 25, as they sat down to eat their meal. We can become so callous that we can just have these horrific terrible thoughts and heart and bitterness. And I mean, we're so impervious to it that we can just sit down and have lunch. And again, Father, I just ask you to forgive us where we have this heart in us in any way, Lord, where we can have just, just this incredible disdain for people and we can just sit down and have breakfast or lunch and dinner, all the while having this heart in us. You would have thought, after doing such a horrific thing, that they would have had this tremendous lack of peace that we can't even eat. But no. They think what they've done is okay, and they sit down and have lunch. Lord Jesus. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So 
By the grace of God, Reuben had this heart in him, but he didn't speak up. But now Judah comes and says, you know what? Let's sell him so he doesn't die. Reuben initially spoke up and said, let's not take his life. Let's leave him in the well. But then he would have died there. So now Judah speaks up. And says, you know what, we're going to gain if we kill him. Come on, let's sell him. Then we'll just lie about it. Now, obviously, this is still terrible. But there are places in our lives where the Lord is calling us to be Reuben or Judah when a lynch mob forms, right? Sometimes it may be hard and we get afraid. Sometimes we need to be the Reuben or the Judah that speaks up and says, no, 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 no. Hopefully we don't speak up and say, let's not let him die. Let's sell him into slavery. Obviously, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we want to speak up for what's right. We want to be the ones that speak up when, you know, there'd be five, six, seven people that are, that are wanting to do something or say something, and you know it's not the will of God. Father, we ask you to give us the courage and the grace that we might speak up like Reuben does and Judah does, Lord when things are out of place. And we ask you to help us to do it um, where we don't compromise in other areas as Reuben and Judah did here. But it's good to see that, you know, that there is, uh, you know, a level of decency in this, in uh, Reuben and, and, and Judah. And that they, they don't want to take his blood. They don't want to kill him now. And, and the other brothers agree, so they relent. But it's a good thing that Judah speaks up, because otherwise they may not have relented. And so sometimes, again, the Lord will be calling us to speak up in situations that are, that are out of place or out of line. We're almost done. Verse 28. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites, who took him to Egypt. And so here we have Joseph going into Egypt where really, you know, his, his ministry is going to begin. We're going to see incredible favor fall on Joseph. Um, we're going to see that although Jacob has made some bad parenting decisions, we're going to see that, uh, that Joseph at 17 years old was raised to be devoted. Um, we're going to see that Joseph has a heart for God like, like few people in history. And so, although, again, Jacob doesn't do a very good job in parenting in certain areas, he does an extremely good job in raising his children to know Jesus, to know God, to walk with God. And because of that, Joseph is going to go on and, and save the world. He's going to be a, a type and shadow of Christ. So as parents, we may make mistakes. Uh, certainly, I have made many of them. Um, when it comes to our children, I've made almost all of them, their mother will say. And I'm sure that's true. But hopefully, they've been raised to know Jesus Christ. Hopefully, they've been raised to walk with Jesus Christ. And... and as parents, there's nothing more, nothing better, nothing more important than we can do for our children than to raise them to know and to walk and to obey Jesus and to do what he says and to repent when we fall short. Father, we ask you to help us as parents that even though we may make mistakes, Lord, we would be a parent like Jacob that would raise our children to know God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 29, when Reuben returned to the cistern and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. He went back to his brothers and said, the boy isn't here. Where can I turn now? So again, uh, we see this heart in Reuben that he meant to save him, but the problem is he wouldn't, he wouldn't speak up. And again, sometimes... Um, we may need to pray for courage, but sometimes we need to speak up. And if we won't speak up, then bad things will happen. And, and Reuben wasn't willing to speak up in time. 
Now, again, we see that God was allowing all this. None of this was okay, but really this came by the hand of our heavenly father who was going to use Joseph to change the world. But Joseph's going to need to be shaped through difficulty over the next 13 years. We're actually going to find that uh, in the coming chapters that at 30 years old, uh, Joseph's going to be put in charge of really Egypt and the whole world. When the whole world is going to be in starvation, um, Joseph is going to actually say by his own mouth, God has made me a father to Pharaoh. Just think of that. Pharaoh was the, the king of the world. People looked at him as a god. Of course he was not. But Joseph's going to say, God has made me a father to Pharaoh. Uh, Joseph's the most powerful man in the world. He comes out of being a slave and in prison because of the heart he had for God, because of the way he walked with Jesus. He's going to go on and be used by God in ways that are, that are unbelievably incredible. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 31 to 36, Then they got Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat, and dipped the robe in the blood. They took the ornamented robe back to their father and said, We found this. Examine it to see whether it is your son's robe. So they make up this elaborate lie. And they, uh, they just utterly break their father's heart. It would have been so much better, obviously, but they... The farther we go in sin, the farther we will go. Not only how now have they done this to Joseph, and I'll say again, in the later chapters, they're going to say, this is coming on us because our brother was, was crying for mercy and we did nothing. 33, he recognized it and said, it is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Again, um, obviously all of us would be devastated here. But you remember when it said at the beginning of this chapter that, that Jacob's love for Joseph was in balance. He loved him more than all of his other children. And he treated him outwardly as he loved him more. He makes him this incredible robe. And we find here that this robe that Jacob made with his own hands has caused nothing but trouble. When, when our love is perverted, when we show favoritism in our love, really it can come back to, to bite us in ways that, 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 that we, we really don't want. We all, you know, we want to love our children, our families, our friends. We want to love without favoritism. Joseph had become an idol to Jacob. And say, man, if, if our children have become idols to us, we, we want to repent. And what am I saying here? Of course we love our children. Of course we love them unconditionally, but they shouldn't be idols. Remember, uh, they don't belong to us. Many of us live as if we own our children. Our children belong to God. We're their parents. We're stewards of our children. And as they get older, they need to, to grow and to obey God, not us. You know, what am I meaning older? They get to be 18, 19, 20, 25. Children should still listen to the wisdom of their parents if you have good, godly parents that are giving you godly wisdom, of course, right? Obviously, we don't want to do anything our parents tell us to do that's unbiblical, right? Um, and hopefully, as parents, we would only advise our children um, in biblical ways. But we don't want our children to be idols. And, uh, and God allows Joseph, uh, I'm sorry, Jacob here to go through tremendous suffering over Joseph. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, in mourning will I go down to the grave to my son. So his father wept for him. Again, we just see this tremendous, tremendous grief that all of us could relate to if we were told that one of our children um, was killed. 
But this whole thing is a, is a, is an incredible lie. It's not true. And, and try to understand, Jacob's going to have to live with this for 13 years. He's going to live as his son's been killed. When none of it's true. Golly, Lord Jesus, we just ask you to cleanse our hearts of unrighteousness and bitterness and anger and unforgiveness, Lord. He, he is led into all of this by his own sons. Help us, Lord Jesus. In the last verse, 36, Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. And from here on in, here on, Joseph is just going to uh, just, just find God's favor and blessing in ways that, uh, that we're going to see are, are incredible. It's going to be in suffering that Joseph is going to learn and become the man of God he needs to be to steward the food so the world doesn't die. And he's, as I said earlier, he's going to say with his own mouth that I have become a father to Pharaoh. He's a slave and he's going to become a father to the most powerful man in the world. Wow. Well, Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the many, 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 many uncountable lessons your word has shown us. Lord, I'm just convicted in here in so many ways. I ask you to just, just forgive us, Lord, and help us to repent. Lord, I'm just thanked, um, thankful and, and just, Lord, we're so blessed that our salvation and the forgiveness of our sins has nothing to do with what we do or not do, Lord, because I'd be in trouble. I thank you, Lord, that I'm saved and my sins are forgiven by grace alone, through faith alone, and my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, alone. But at the same time, Father, I ask you to help us to live for him. And Lord, the, the, all the different aspects of this story, Father, we ask you to help us to live in a manner where we truly want your kingdom to come in our lives and your will to be done. We ask you to help us to learn whatever you would have us to learn as we go through difficulty and suffering, Lord. And Father, we thank you that you will use all things for good to those of us who love you. Help us, Father, to love you more and more and more and more. Help us to repent of the areas where we don't. Help us to grow in our devotion to you, Father, that truly every aspect of our lives might be used increasingly for good. Father, we love you, we bless you, and we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org.